another week. This is another edition of the Chair Shot Podcast. We're back here on Sunday nights where all pro wrestling and pro wrestling related things belong. I'm one of your hosts, Barry, joined as always by my ever dependable co-host. First of all, Mr. Joe Towner. Hi there, Barry. And also, Mr. Paul Griffin. That's me. Uh, yeah, so we're back, lads. We did the week off there last week. I wasn't feeling the best. We said we'd, we'd hold off for uh, another little bit, and we'd do a bumper edition this week. So we've got quite a little uh, uh, agenda of things to do. Um, who's got some life guff this week? Been a bit of a quiet one for me. We had some good news here in Ireland. Um, they have eliminated one of the five phases of lockdown easing the return to normality for lack of a better term so now it's down to four and we're moving into stage two next week and lots of shops are going to be opening and you can travel to anywhere in your county and then at the end of the month you can travel anywhere in the country which is cool um and at the end of the month um pubs with a food license can open up so that'll be the, the the initial return of the old public house to uh, uh to the shores of ireland so you know some some good news there you know um uh, uh on that side pennies is returning of course um uh which i'm sure will be uh akin to the uh malibu stacy with a new hat um uh scene but uh, yeah, so yeah, not, not a whole lot else going on here in in, in, in my neck of the woods. Um, but uh, I've enjoyed a, a quiet week, and uh, that good news has has served me well. What about you, lads? How you how you how you keeping this uh, this slightly colder week um, this week? I think my allergies were wildly out of control last week with the heat. Uh, how are we finding things this week? Hmm, much of the same. Mm. Um... I'm I'm still persevering with the the lockdown personally. Um, every other fucker seems to have given up. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm gonna keep isolating myself until at least twenty thirty four. Um, so I don't want to talk to anyone anyway, so it's fine. Um, other than that, yeah, it's been a shit week weather wise. Just grey cloud yeah. as far as the eye can see. So it's been uh, e- even more depressing. Sucking doors. So yeah. Haven't, mm. haven't been up too much. Same over here. The weather's been very uninspiring. Although right now, it's all right. We got some blue skies over here on the east coast of Era. Um, but despite that, yeah, uh, there's been no barbecues this week, boys. I'll tell you that much. No. Um. What I did do for the first time in about a decade was I did some shopping on eBay. Oh! If you can believe that. Um, yeah, I mean, last week, obviously, we've been, I think we've been punished a little bit for not doing an episode last week. Listeners won't be aware, but it's taken us about 35 minutes <laughs> to get up and recording today. Yeah. Um, my, myself and Barry were first in the recording studio, sounding great. Then Joe came. And he sounded great, and then Barry stops. Then I sounded reverby, and then ah, you don't want to know about it. But what should be a relatively simple thing of plugging a mic in a computer and your voice be recorded turned into a an unfixable odyssey. Um, so hopefully we sound okay. Don't ever say we don't put the work in 
for you fuckers. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, last week Barry wasn't well. I was really just not in any mood to record anyway. Um, if Barry wasn't sick, I would have done it. But I was just uh, weary of a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I think the week off was good. Like I, I'm definitely missed hearing your guys voices for a week and i'm happy like this is obviously one of my favorite parts of the week is doing this so yeah nice to have you guys back have a bit of crack for an hour and a bit Mm. but i because i was feeling a bit down i decided to do some retail therapy uh and just buy some shite i don't need uh which i did do i bought uh, a couple of retro video games, because as you guys know, I'm a fan of the games of yesteryear. Oh yeah! Uh, I bought, I got a lovely copy of Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo, which is a game I don't own now. I do, obviously. Uh, and I got myself a copy of Mario Kart 64. Uh, on the Nintendo 64 because I was kind of racking my brains thinking like when we buy our house one project I want to work on is to because I I have all my Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64 games just loose loose cartridges mm. I want to buy some plastic cases for them and then print off like like VHS case, cases basically and print off a little insert and put them in in, in a shelving unit um just to be visually a bit a bit a bit nicer and look, here's my Super Nintendo games, here's my N64 games. Hmm. Uh, so I was racking my brains thinking, okay, what are games that I don't own that are like mean something to me that I would like to own? So actually I did own Mario Kart 64, but the cartridge I think got damaged somehow. Uh, and it won't start anymore. Hmm. Uh, and Super Metroid I've never owned. Uh, but I beat it on my SNES Mini, ah. and I loved that. I loved that game. So I said, I, I'd love to have a copy of Super Metroid, like a, a a cartridge copy that I can put on a shelf and Super Metroid. So I got that. I got those two games. Super Metroid's arrived. Mario Kart 64 hasn't arrived yet. I also got, and this might be more interesting to you guys and to the show, because I think we could... Uh, make a feature of it, or maybe even a full-length special episode. Oh! I I bought for the princely sum of fifty European centurions. What? A Simpsons trivia quiz book, which claims to have in the reviews very difficult questions. Oh, well, we'll see, won't we? That, that was presumably printed uh, before the modern era where it became... Uh, Simpsons became a form of language among young people. Um, it is an older book, so it should apply mostly, if not entirely, to the golden era. I think it's I think it's from 97, 98 or something, the book itself. Chapter, chapter 6, medium to mildly difficult... What unusual term does Principal Skinner use to describe his hamburgers that he has procured from the Krusty Burger? <laughs> well, this is the problem, right? Every time, if you go online now and search Simpsons quiz difficult, and you'll find this is the hardest Simpsons quiz ever. 
What are the name of Marge's sisters? <laughs> what is Homer's eldest child called? And you're like, well, this is this is not a quiz for the hardcore. So that book hasn't arrived yet, but it's it's on the way. Um, and I got a few other bits and pieces. I got a, uh, I got some, uh, whiskey rocks. Obviously, I don't drink whiskey, mm. but I like. Putting, especially when it's warm, putting ice in a in a drink, but then it dilutes the drink. So I got some nice little steel uh, whiskey rocks that I can freeze and put in drinks. Oh, nice! Yeah, so I just, just did some shopping. Didn't spend too much money because obviously trying to save for the old uh, maison maison griffin. But um, yeah, just did some nice did some nice shopping like that. Um, also visited the old dentiste. Because um, I mentioned two weeks ago on the show that I'd broken one of my teeth. Yeah. I think I did mention that. Yeah. So I went to the, the doctor of the tooth doctor, <laughs> the tooth doctor, and she took the broken shard out, filled it up and said, come back and we'll stick a crown uh, on that. I don't know if you got, have either of you guys have had a crown before. I don't know no, how the project no. really works. I've got one. You do, Joe? Yeah. How how does that work then, the getting of a crown? I don't know, they just pop it on. Well, <laughs> I've been told I, I <laughs> Oh, to do... slow down, doctor. Slow down. For oh. me, the, it, it's a, it's apparently gonna be like a two appointment oh, dear. deal where Yeah. The I the, the I'm I'm due back in two weeks for like it's called crown prep. Right. And that that's that's apparently an hour and a half. I don't know what the fuck they're going to be doing for an hour and a half, uh, dancing around the maypole. Um, and then I have to go back two weeks after that for the crown to go on. Yeah, because they have to they have to build it and they try and obviously it has to fit um, within the shape of the rest of your teeth. And they, right. you know, depending on which one you get, they'll do different work to it. Mine, I think they actually did it all on the same day because they had the. Um, like the equipment to produce it, they had it all on sort of on in house, like on the premises, okay. and so mm-hmm. they had to like they produced it. Um, they also like stain it as well, so it looks the same color as the rest of your teeth, um, right. rather than having one kind of incredibly white tooth <laughs> within all the slightly stained ones. Um, yeah, and they popped it on, and um, mine's very good. Go. I can't forget I've got it. It feels sort of smoother than the rest. But right, I've got it. I what if I request specifically for them to leave it, you know, Roberto Firmino white. Get a gold one and just have a really white one, <laughs> or or a gold one or a red tooth. Why stop there? Well, yeah, go mad. Um, did you know that crown in Spanish is Corona? I'm just flagging <gasps> that as a potential. I did not know that potential worry. I've also heard that crowns can like fall off. Well, um, yes. Right. That's no good because it's going to cost me about eight hundred. But then, euro. but then, Paul soaking teeth, like your last one. So that is true. <laughs> <laughs> Although to uh, to you know, on a technicality, that tooth never fell out. Um, both halves of the tooth remained in my mouth until I went to the dentist. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, because it, it's one of my bottom teeth, so hopefully gravity is going to help me a little bit with that. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's a thing that's coming up that I'm gonna have to spend some spondulix on anyway. Oh, pricey, pricey dentist. Yeah. Mm. Apart from that, nothing much else happened this week. You did remind me there, actually, um, when you referenced that Simpsons book. Um, I, uh, me and some buddies of mine, um, we did a sort of depression combating uh, mid-year Secret Santa. Um, just you know, hmm. a little to- little token. You know how Secret Santa works. Little token gifts, nothing major. Uh, and we we uh, they all arrived in time, and so we all did a uh, we all opened ours this week. And I got lovely gift from my friend Emma. Springfield Confidential, uh, Mike Reese's book about Ooh. his um, semi-autobiographical and his um, uh, his life writing The Simpsons. And I'm uh, uh, it's broken up into acts. I'm the first. I finished the first act, which is like three or four chapters. Very good. Seems like it's going to be a very very breezy read. He seems like a, uh, uh, a, a, a he seems like a Simpsons writer. A very you know uh, kind of happy go lucky tone and, and quick fire jokes. Um, and yeah, I'm curious to see what... I've heard good things about the book. I'm curious to see what kind of details it gets into. Uh, the opening chapters do cover the uh, Simon-graining rivalry and, and, and falling out. Right. Um, and he does say, at, at the culmination of that story, he says that's that's basically it as far as quote-unquote dirt goes. Um, he is obviously still a writer of The Simpsons, so I don't think he's going to be... It, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a tell-all in that style, but I'm enjoying it, very much enjoying it so far. Um, so I'll probably it's it's very very short as well. I'm looking at it here. It's right next to my laptop. It's it's quite short. I imagine I'll have it finished by next week. Um, but yeah, so we'll have a, we'll do book off next week. Um, okay, very good. So that's uh, life golf for me and Paul. What about you, Joe? What have you been up to? Nothing else, to be honest. Um, just praying for the weekend and then not really doing much. Mm, mm, mm. The never ending cycle. Yeah. The never ending cycle. Yeah. Yeah, back to work tomorrow. Great. Um, yeah. Oh well. Um, we we'll, uh, talk about a bit of telly. We could talk about a bit of telly. Do you want to stay on the Simpsons kick, uh, Joe? Why not? Why not? Why not? Um, so as as we get into telly golf, we we welcome back for a second edition uh, our brand new feature, um, which we haven't named yet. But mm. it's where I read out a synopsis uh, of The Simpsons for the episode that corresponds to our current episode number. Okay. So we are on episode 476 of the Chair Shop podcast um, this week. And the corresponding Simpsons episode is called Homer the Father. Um, so this episode is in the 22nd season of The Simpsons. It aired on the 23rd of January, 2011. Uh, and it won a Writers Guild of America award Ooh. for outstanding writing Ooh. in animation. Um, so let me get into the plot. Um, Homer becomes obsessed with a 1980s family sitcom called Thicker Than Waters and starts acting like the show's father. Emulating this character's values, he refuses to give Bart a mini bike he wants because Bart would never, t- never learn to appreciate things if they come to him too easily. Getting um getting kind of flashbacks here to a itchy itchy and scratchy movie. But, movie, uh, anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll keep going. Bart then realizes that he could sell secrets about the Springfield nuclear power plant to other countries. That's a bit of a leap from the, the what? First bit there. I don't know where that <laughs> where that came from. <laughs> oh, fuck um, off. 
He agrees to sell them to China in exchange for a minibike. To gain access <sighs> to the nuclear plant's computer system, Bart begins doing typical father-son activities with Homer, eventually leading to Homer bringing Bart to work. When Homer falls asleep, Bart goes around the plant downloading information onto a USB storage device. Um, I don't like the the existence of USB storages in The Simpsons. That feels nope. wrong. Um, after Bart leaves the flash drive with the downloaded data at the zoo and takes the bike, Homer reveals to him that he has bought him a mini bike for being such a good child. Bart, feeling bad for betraying his country and his father, rushes back to the zoo in an attempt to recover the flash drive. There he meets the Chinese agents, who threaten to kill him if he does not cooperate. Homer steps in and offers himself in Bart's place, as he has a lifetime of nuclear experience. In China, he leads to the construction of a nuclear power plant, which explodes right after the grand opening ceremony. Back at the house, Bart tells Homer how much he appreciates him, and that they have the best kind of bonding, sitting in front of the television, while making no eye contact at all. Hmm. Wow, that sounds shit, baby. I... Yeah, and that won an award... No less. This apparently, yeah, won Writers Guild of America Award for Outstanding Writing in Animation. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at the other the other nominees here. Uh, we've got... Oh, where is it? Okay, I can't see it now. Homer... Oh, it's not even listed. Maybe they made this up because it's not actually listed on the <laughs> WTA page. <laughs> I don't know if they just pretended. Um, anyway, yeah, so more, more of that next week. Um, the Simpsons um, can only get worse, is, is my feeling. Apparently that episode was written by Joel H. Cohen, who was the younger brother of Robert Cohen, who wrote the episode Flaming Moes. Oh. Mm. Uh, that, uh, in reference to the, the Simon Greenig rivalry, apparently that the origin of that story stems from uh, Simon's feelings that he basically made The Simpsons what it is and Matt Groening was the 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 guy who got all the credit, apparently. Mm. Um, I think that's a general consensus, though, is that Sam Simon was responsible for the feel of the, oh, absolutely. the show yeah. early yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in the book, Reese being kind of a, a, a you know, a, a very diplomatic kind of says that it was the, the three credited or creators... They all played a hand in it, and it's not fair to, to to say that one guy or another kind of made it what it was. But I think he puts an interesting theory forth that that pushing Graining as the guy who did The Simpsons was a, a just a, a more interesting media narrative because he was kind of a weirdo outsider, whereas Simon mm. was involved in like Cheers and stuff like that. Whereas you know this guy who writes these weird little uh, anarchist comics who then springs forth to take over the television world was more compelling a story. Um, yeah. But yeah, that concludes our, our weekly 20 minutes of talking about The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> more next week. More next week. Yeah, I like that feature. That is because we are we are well into the um, uh, the 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 numbers where I have not seen any of this. I don't even yeah. I haven't even heard most of these episodes. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. Um, that uh, yeah. one does sound particularly horrible, though. I the, the one the one last time we did this feature sounded worse. I thought, um, right, was yeah. it like Mo Mo and Smithers on a caper? Mo pretends like, oh. to be gay. Yeah, yeah. Oh my That's goodness. So 
Um, on my rewatch of The Simpsons, I've gotten kind of back up to where I started when Disney Plus launched. Um, yeah, seasons three and four, just wonderful. Just, you know, like damn near perfect TV. Um, Still missing an episode from season two. three, I think it is. Oh, is it three or two? two? One of them, yeah. The Michael Jackson. The Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, but they fixed the ratio, so that's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, elsewhere on Teleguff, uh, Rick and Morty season four finished up. Um, I still haven't watched the very last one yet. I thought it was excellent. I thought it was excellent. I thought it was befitting of this season in general, which has been very good. I thought it was really fantastic. Um, they, they they really came back swinging with that season, especially after that lengthy break in the middle, and they ended on a high note. So um, so good, and we we eagerly await the next. Uh, the next lot, and yeah, they, I think the whole the whole season in its entirety is going on Netflix like next week. Um, I'll one hundred percent be rewatching it once it goes up because I've 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 watched the the rest of that show through so many times at this stage um, that I'll definitely I'll definitely revisit for. Uh, that's really all the telly I've been watching this week, other than The Simpsons, and I watched the the most recent airing of, of the newest episode of the Harley Quinn show. That's about it. Uh, what about you, lads? Uh, well, we finished up season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race, in which they, they actually quite worked out the uh, how to do a finale with everybody wor- uh, working from home, basically. And it was actually, although it was done with people sitting in front of their computers for the most part, uh, they it was edited really sickly, and so it came off well, even though it was you know far from what a finale would usually be uh and then this week no no weeks off for rupaul let me tell you straight into a new a new series of uh drag race all-stars which is where they get people from past seasons back Mm. and it has a slightly different rule set which makes it a different watch uh a lot more kind of bitchiness and backstabbing in the all-stars seasons which are fun um i watched one episode of rick and morty the second to last one Mm. thought it was really good haven't watched the the final one yet um still watching the soup uh there was a good bit on the soup because i'm because we're watching lost as well i am skipping all of the the bits of the soup word references lost because mm. we're only on season three, which would to be fair, we've been on season three now for I think about as long as Lost was on the air at this stage. <laughs> um, but he introduced the clip saying, uh, no spoilers for all you people who are still on season three, saying you're you're really gonna catch up one day. And I was like, Oh my god, that's that's exactly us. <laughs> um but apart from that, no, I haven't been watching. I haven't watched much TV. I haven't watched much TV. Okay. What about you, Joe? Um, yeah, a couple, couple of shows. I started watching McMillions, which oh. is the uh, documentary about the big McDonald's um, monopoly scam. Mm. Um, where basically. I'm sure people are familiar with the uh, McDonald's Monopoly Mm. game, but you get different pieces um, from the Monopoly board. And if you get a certain amount, you you win a prize, different prizes, and there are also like instant wins. And basically what was happening is some guy was kind of 
running an inside operation where he was distributing the winning million dollar prizes to various people. There was an incredibly uh, engrossing article about it that came out was it a couple of years ago now. Yeah, um, that I remember reading, kind of all in one go on the way to work. <laughs> even even whilst walking from the train station to work and having to cross roads, I was still just reading this article because it was so good. Um, HBO have done a documentary adaptation of it, which is not as interesting, baby. It's um, oh no, I think they they kind of just drag it out a bit. Like, I'm not sure how many episodes is it. I think it's four or five, six. Mm. But yeah, it, it's not as interesting. They do drag it out. There's some kind of fun characters in there. They're quite they're kind of fun to watch. Um, but overall, it just doesn't tell the story as well. Um, so I don't know. Maybe if you're really into that, check it out. But I might just go back and read the article again. Because I think that was superior. Um, so watch that. Also been... We, we got up to, to um, speed with... Before the ninety days, uh, ninety day fiance. Um, so I kind of caught up with with what's going out live at the moment. Um, so while we're waiting for that to kind of launch new episodes, we just started watching ninety day fiance the other way, um, which is where the American. This is after they've actually like got married, or you know decided they want to be together, where the American goes to live in the other country rather than okay. having. The you know the, the foreign person come and live in America, um, so it's not it's not quite as as interesting as nine, before the ninety days because you don't have the whole kind of catfish element, uh, and you're also not trying to figure out whether it's a scam or not because obviously the Americans moving there, so you're not just thinking are they doing it for a visa because obviously that'd be the wrong way around. So um, there's a few interesting characters on there though, and they do have one couple that was in the other show. So we're kind of getting to see how they progress. So that is cool. So it kind of ties together a bit, a bit like the Marvel Universe. You've got a bit of a crossover. <laughs> um, so that's a good show. So we've been, been enjoying that while we, while we wait for the, the good shit. Like, so that's kind of been tidying us over. So, um, yeah, I think it's been about it. Lots, watched a lot of movies this week as well. Documentary. Yeah. Yeah, I'm disappointed to hear. I, a few people have said McMillions isn't, isn't great. I, I, like yourself, I read that... Um, uh, that article when it came out. It's really, really good. Really fan- fascinating story. Um, yeah, I'd be surprised when they announced they were making it that it wasn't just like, I, I assumed it would have been one like 90 minute thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I might, I might still check it out. But anyway, mm. uh, we'll jump forward there into um, the game Golf Paul. Um, yes. Uh, I played something new this week, something I downloaded ages ago when I finally got around to starting. Uh, Gears Tactics, which mm-hmm. is the XCOM-like uh, game on PC that they have basically just taken XCOM and slapped a Gears of War license on it, which is fine. Um, I am really, really, really enjoying it so far. Um, if you haven't played like an XCOM game before, it's a sort of turn-based um uh, a strategy game where you take a, a team of soldiers onto a battlefield um uh, and you have to kind of move across a map and capture objectives and kill all the enemies along the way and of course it is it is turn based and all your characters have three moves per turn so you're making decisions about should i use all those turns on movement should i attack should i use covering fire uh, every single attack you do has a percentage hit rate uh, which can lead to some tough decisions if you've only got like you know a fifty or sixty percent chance of hitting and all sorts of stuff. 
Uh, it's great. Uh, uh, the XCOM games tend to have a lot of meta stuff going on. So you play these battles and then you earn currency that is then used to customize a base or, you know, invest in research and development of new weapons. Uh, Gears Tactics does away with all of that. It is basically just just the um, uh, battlefield level play, uh, which, I, which I think is good. I think it makes it more accessible. I've never, I've never really got to grips with an XCOM game. And it's great. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, so uh, it's probably one of my favorite games that came out this year that I've played so far. Um, so yeah, that's good. Uh, I also, uh, I think as a lot of people are at the moment, I played a little bit of Jackbox, uh, the Jackbox party games over Discord uh, with some pals of mine. The uh, you know that was recommended by a few people. It has apparently the the latency is such that you can do it via one person having the game and screen sharing, mm. and it's great. It's you know those games are those games are fantastic. They're they're great party games, obviously, and in lieu of being able to get together for a party these days, um, it works pretty well over Discord if you have a solid internet connection. So, uh, Jackbox is always important time. And uh, jumping back into the virtual world, I got uh, uh, Pixel Ripped nineteen ninety five, which is a VR game. And uh, basically, this is a. Uh, uh, a game that's that that's hitting a very a very sweet nostalgia point for me. It's basically where you are playing a character in a sort of SNES era um, uh, uh, game, and you're simultaneously uh, you're in those uh, very Pokemon esque um, uh, hub world that looks very very uh, you know sixteen bit. Um, you know, but obviously you're traveling around from a first-person perspective, uh, and you're playing as that character, but you're also playing as the human person who's playing that game. It's kind of hard to describe, um, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of fun kind of uh, 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 meta kind of uh, playing off the tropes of, of of the era. There's one scene where you're a kid and you go to a, a video rental store, and they've got two of those kiosks, which I haven't even seen kiosks like this in so long where you know the game is in a is on a display case and there's a controller there um where you can you can play it and there's two next to each other and you have some power that lets you basically jump from game to game so you're literally turning your head to look at the other machine and your character from the one game has jumped into the other game um and you're you're transferring power ups back and forth to to advance to the two games. It's re it's really cool. There's some really creative stuff, and then there's sequences where the game characters leak out into the quote unquote real world, and so then you're fighting these kind of pixelated uh, uh, creatures in the in the real world. It's really cool. It's very very uh, it's very very creative. Very um takes you back to that kind of childlike imagination where you would imagine yourself in the game type thing. Uh, yeah, really enjoying that, and uh, that's it. Those are my games this week. I'll be, I'll definitely be sticking with Gears Tactics and probably uh, uh, reporting back on that later. Nice. Um, well, sit down for this one, boys. Mm. Breath of the Wild completed for the Ooh. second time. Done. One hundred twenty shrines finished. I'm playing the DLC now for the first time. Champions Ballad. Um, which is good, if not as story driven as they kind of promised it would be. Mm. You basically get some extra little flashbacks that don't tell you much about characters that you didn't know much about in the first place. Mm. Um, it's fine. I think you get 
uh, 16 new shrines that are, um, for the most part, considerably more difficult than the core game shrines. Uh, it, it also opens with a, a fun Eventide Island style thing where uh, the DLC opens with you back at the start of the game in the Shrine of Restoration or whatever it's called where you, where you wake up at the beginning and you're given a new item called the uh, the Obliterator which will kill all enemies in a single shot from the weakest Bacoblins up to the toughest Lionels. They'll all be one-shot killed. Okay. However, the counterpoint of that is that you will also be killed in, in one hit. Uh, and you have to clear out four enemy bases with this uh, stipulation. And that's like a really fun, um, almost like stealthy way of playing the game. Although I wish the enemy bases were a bit more spread out. Not necessarily to the point of something like Assassin's Creed Odyssey or something like that, but definitely I, I love those games where you can kind of scope out a whole base and go, right, I'll isolate this guy over here and then I'll go here and then I'll do this. But uh, here all the enemies are pretty close together, so you you kind of have to draw them out a little bit, pick them off, and, and so it does get a little bit repetitive, but it's a, a fun, interesting way of doing it. And then, like I say, the the extra shrines are all, uh, for the most part, pretty fun. Um, I'm about two-thirds of the way through the DLC. Uh, so probably maybe another three hours or so from beating it. At which point I'm done with Breath of the Wild. I think I'm 160 hours total playtime <laughs> now. That's enough. Um, and then I'm going to move on to um, another game possibly Outer Wilds, which I still have waiting to go. I know that the Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC is coming out in about a week and a half. I know that Paper Mario game is coming out soon. I'll need to see the reviews of that, but I I most likely will pick that up as well. Uh, I also want to play some of the older Zelda games. I want to play the Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages. Uh, Capcom developed Zeldas for the Game Boy Color, so I might play those as well. Uh, but one game I didn't think I would play this year that I have been playing is FIFA 20. Ooh. Uh, because I've been a pro evolution soccer guy this year. Uh, I played that enough. And I, 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 I actually, I played some pro evolution soccer this week as well because they brought out their, uh, not taking place now, ironically, their Euro 2020 downloadable content. Uh, so I downloaded that. I played through a Euro 2020 tournament with France. Uh, I won Euro 2020 with France because I'm really good at pro evolution soccer. Keep that in mind when I'm talking about FIFA in a second. Um, and so I beat it and I said, okay, well, that, that was fine, but I don't really have any um, incentive to keep playing that. So FIFA was on sale on PSN this week for 10 euro. And so what I said, okay, I've always had this interest in um, FIFA's ultimate team mode, but I've never, I never played it because I obviously I don't want to spend any fucking money on on in-game currency for for um, buying packs of virtual cards. But I, I do also, as as Joe will know, I do have a bit of an ad- addictive t- uh, personality when it comes to 
those kind of things because Joe and myself uh, both collected those um, World Cup 2018 Panini virtual <laughs> sticker collections. <laughs> um, so I said, okay, this is this is my opportunity to dip my toe a little bit. So I got FIFA for ten euro, and I spent twenty euro on virtual uh, money. Oh no. Game. I said no. I said that's a compromise. Like I'm, I'm not spending sixty euro on the game. I'm spending thirty euro on the game. Fair enough. I'm not going to spend any more money. That's it. So, what I found with Ultimate Team is, of course, to have <laughs> a really good team, you kind of have to spend money on it, right? Um, I although on the other hand of that, I have a pretty decent team, having not spent much money on it, and I think it's 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 kind of um one of those things where if you're willing or have the means to spend money on it, that's how you're going to get your really good team. But at uh, at the same point, you're not necessarily punished for not spending money on it. It's easy enough to generate in-game currency by playing games, which is the point of the fucking game in the first place, to play games. Uh, There's enough modes in it to keep it interesting, which I'll Hmm. talk about in a second. And I have, like, my, my worst player in my entire squad is like 81 rated. That's pretty good. Like I, it's, I don't have a stinky squad. I got a pretty good squad. Um, So there's some really, really good modes in it. This is the one thing that I've always said that FIFA has that pro Evo lacks. Whereas pro Evo has like <laughs> the, the better gameplay, which FIFA doesn't have FIFA. I always feel like when you're playing that there's a certain element of, chance to what happens in the game pro evo i think you're a lot more in control of how far your passes go the direction your passes go you're shooting you're crossing etc so you can get really good at it fifa is more about doing funny skills to get past people uh and kind of encourages and rewards a faster play style whereas pro evo encourages you to be a bit more methodical which is what i prefer but in terms of modes, Pro Evo has like shit all. Uh, in FIFA, I was playing quite a fun mode called King of the Hill, where a little square on the pitch will become highlighted, and you have to get the ball into that little square. And if you remain in that square in possession of the ball, a little counter starts going up zero, one, two, three. And then once you leave the, uh, the, the square, the counter starts slowly, slowly going back down. So while you're on three, you need to rush up to the other team's goal and try and score as quickly as possible. Because if you score, it's worth three points. Uh, whereas if you go back down to zero, uh, you can't score. The, the The goal gets like blocked off by a force field. So it's a completely different way to play because what when you're on three... You don't give a fuck about the fence. You're just bombing up to the other side of the pitch. All out attack. I don't need any defenders. Let's just score. Um, but if you're on zero, you can't score. So you're uh, you're entirely about getting the ball back and getting possession of the ball at all costs. You know, so a completely different way to play. Uh, there's, lo- there's there's various modes like that, which are very, very fun. Um, the gameplay, I, I still don't like, uh, and partially because... I'm really bad at FIFA compared to how good I am at Pro Evo. What's what's the difference? Why is it so much harder? Or it has a yeah. You would think they're both football games. Mm. I mean, how how different can they be? They there's a different cadence to FIFA 
than there is in Pro Evo. And also, the the although the buttons that you press to literally do the commands are quite similar, um, the way they function are not exactly the same. Um, so in Pez, holding the shoot button for a certain amount of time will generate a certain amount of power. That that's not necessarily the same in FIFA. So if you're used to playing one of the games for a year and then you switch to the other one you're used to a certain rhythm of the game that i find very hard to switch so easily and so i played a couple of online games uh just got fucking hammered yeah. every time seven one eight two like i can not really score and not really defend in fifa is the problem um okay well those aren't important <laughs> but um I'm I am having fun with it, I must say. I am having fun. I because I only spent a little bit of money on it, if I if I get five hours out of it and then I'm tired of it, like to me that's fine. You know? It was really just to dip my toe in and try this mode out that I've never tried. And to be fair, I got a little bit of that sticker album collecting uh pleasure from it as well, because I I got one pack and I got like um 83 rated Diego Costa. I was like, that's a good little card, little Diego Costa card. Um, and then I got Onana, who's the uh, Ajax goalkeeper. He's 85 rated. I was like, fucking hell, 85. Um, it's a fun little, little game mode. I do enjoy it. I wish, though, that EA and Konami could come together and make a well-rounded football game and that you wouldn't always have to compromise gameplay or replayability because neither game has both unfortunately um so that's what i've been playing i i've unfortunately because of the fifa influx i've kind of fallen off football manager um i did re i i played three seasons at juventus then retired because i just won everything and i took over at fulham and i got I don't know, a couple of months into that, and then I just haven't played it since. How did your Aston Villa uh, job go? Um, it went well, but after a few seasons, I kind of just got bored of it. Um, yeah. Then I, I, I mean, I to be fair, you played it for a couple of hundred hours. Oh, yeah. I'm, so I, well, I took over at Milan after that and okay. managed them into second. But yeah, then I got a bit kind of bored of it. Um, might go back at some point and start a new a new save, the maybe with a different club. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. Yeah, you put like three hundred fifty hours into it. <laughs> of course, you're going to get bored <laughs> of it. Like Jesus. Here's a DVD, Joe. Get three hundred fifty hours out of that, mate. <laughs> Watch uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark a hundred and seventy times, yeah. please. Yeah, it's a good good value, I suppose. So speaking of movies, hmm. I've watched a couple of movies this uh, last two weeks. I watched two movies. That's one a week. Um, both new, new enough movies as well. I think one of them is this year, and one of them is late last year. Um, yeah. So first, I watched a little horror movie called The Invisible Man, starring. Uh, Elizabeth Moss and the, your man of Haunting of Hill House. No, not that one. The other one. 
the brother who is a drug addict, him. Uh, although he's actually not in the movie much because, see, uh, he's invisible. So the actor is not actually on screen <laughs> for, the, <laughs> for the majority of the movie. Or is he invisible? Um, so the invisible man. Well, this is actually, don't laugh. That's a thing. That's hinted at in the movie. I haven't um, seen it. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, Invisible Man is, has been well hyped as as one of those rare uh, good horrors. And I must say, I agree. Uh, it's got a particularly strong, like, first hour 15. Uh, it has a lot of um, very long, lingering shots in the the same ilk of like the good parts of paranormal activity because paranormal activity i thought was shite but i thought what paranormal activity did well is it would have these kind of lingering shots and your eyes are kind of scoping across looking for what's going to happen is something going to move is it... and this movie has that but done in a really really tense way because what happens is, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the setup from like the first 10 minutes of the movie, right? So Elizabeth Moss's character is um, a girlfriend who is in this uh, abusive relationship that she uh, escapes from, okay? Um, and then she finds out that the, the boyfriend has committed suicide. And so she's, she's free of him. Uh, ostensibly right and then these weird things start to happen and she's convinced that he's not died he's uh because he's his character is like a, a scientist who's involved in like high level optic research and development that he's he's somehow figured out a way to become invisible and so right from the start you have this question of is he invisible is she going mad? Is it a coincidence or is it to do with like her post-traumatic, you know, as a result of this relationship? So it, right from the beginning, it gives you all of these possibilities and plays each of them up in equal measure, you know? Mm. And so like that first hour 15, me as a viewer, I'm kind of even, you know, uh, swapping out what I think is happening. I, I'll see a certain shot and I th I'll think, okay, this is probably the way it's going to go. Because, you know, for instance, uh, you might have, you know, a character who say, you might think, okay, if he's really figured out a way to be invisible, uh, he's playing the game now where people are going to think she's crazy for, for whatever his, his, you know, ends might be. Or you might say she's been so driven with grief that she's seeing things that aren't there, you know, or seeing things that are there and, and saying, no, that must be him doing it. He's here. He, he, be quiet. Don't say anything. He can hear you, you know. And so it, it, it takes a really, really interesting approach to that to that story. Um, and, and it never kind of becomes over the top or silly in the way that it's portrayed, it's played completely straight in a very, very, like I say, a very, very tense way. Super, super good. I will say in the last 45 minutes, it straddles that line a little less well. Mm. 
um and there were there were certain things that I really didn't like towards the end. I think I think it just about lands the ending, just about. The ending's a little flat, but I think it, it just about lands it. But for the first hour fifteen, it was, you know, sufficiently strong enough that I would highly recommend it. Uh so that's Invisible Man. If you haven't seen it, check it out uh when you get a chance. Uh and then the next movie I watch is a Netflix movie. Dolomite is my name. Uh the Rudy Ray uh biopic, I guess. Although it's not it's not really a biopic as much as it, it's a story about one specific event in his life. Yeah, the first his first film really. Um yeah, his first film. Um So Rudy Ray Moore, for those who don't know, is a kind of Ed Wood character who um, became kind of a cult hero in the comedic circles with uh, with black Americans uh, and then tried to break out in the world of film. And his films have been on uh, Best of the Worst, Red Letter Media's Best of the Worst. Um, he, he made a couple of movies. I think the best known would be Dolomite, which is the one that this movie is based on, Human Tornado. Um... P.D. Wheatstraw. And so it's a, it's a story along the lines of Ed Wood or along the lines, excuse me, of um, the disaster artist about, you know, how this film came to be and, and, and all of that. Uh, I would say, yeah, it was like, it was like the disaster artist except good. <laughs> um, uh, full of great performances across the board. Eddie Murphy, is is fantastic in it. Wesley Snipes, even better. Uh, what I will say is that Wesley Snipes plays Freddie Mercury better than Remy Malek did. In <laughs> he plays... I don't quite know what Wesley Snipes is doing in this movie, um, but it works. <laughs> whatever, whatever it is he's doing, it works. Like I say, pretty much across the board, everybody's great in it. It's... It's less funny than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, in kind of a madcap way, it's it, it's it's more simple and sweet, and and straightforward, and less kind of off the wall. I I thought it was going to be a bit madder than it was, kind of in the Rudy Ray Moore mold, but it's it's definitely a more. It's it's, it's an appreciative movie about like obviously people who made it were big Rudy Ray Moore fans. And uh, so it's it's almost like a hero movie about him and his triumph, and there's some really nice moments in there. If you know, it's it's possibly a little too uh, rose tinted, but um, you can tell that everybody making it is having great fun. Eddie Murphy, like I say, is fantastic in it. Um, and yeah, the bits where he's playing, uh, not not when he's playing Rudy Ray Moore, but the bits where he's playing Dolomite is are very very funny. You know. Um. So yeah, I enjoyed that a lot as well. Really, really good. So two two recommendations this week. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I rewatched two films that I'd seen before this week. Uh, mm-hmm. One from earlier in the year and one from ages ago. Uh, I rewatched Birds of Prey, uh, which I still really enjoy. Really good fun. Um, 
still really uh, the thing that I that kind of bothered me about it the first time I saw it is still very much present. It's, it, I, even though this is definitely part of the this kind of good era of DC movies we're in now, um, where they've kind of got their act together, there's there's like shades of the bad times in there with that the the. The weird layout of the timeline in this movie is very disjointed, and this is my second time watching it. Um, and some of the editing feels very, very scattershot. Um, uh, but I still thought it was it was funny, and the action is fantastic, and I think it looks and sounds great. But uh, yeah, it's it's weird. It's 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 far from a perfect movie, but I, I um, I'd love to see another one. Uh, and I also, for the first time, in I ugh, I can't even remember when I originally watched it. I rewatched Kindergarten Cop. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. But who's your daddy and what does he do? Yeah, which I really love. I think it's one of the, the better kind of action guy does a comedy movie uh, things. I think it's it's it straddles that line quite well. And plus, it was, you know, it's still Arnie at his peak. Um, uh, you know, better than any of those movies The Rock did that were supposed to be funny. Um, oh well, I, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Uh, no, you're 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 right. Sorry, yeah, yeah I agree. Um, <laughs> probably better than any comedy Bruce Willis did. Um, I on this one is one I'm forgetting, but anyway, Kindergarten Cop is great. It's it's funny. It's charming. It's 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 um it's suspenseful. Uh, it's great. Yeah, I really enjoy. It. That's on Amazon Prime if anyone wants to to revisit it. And uh, yeah, no, well, no I've actually movie. looks left, looks right. I've never seen Kindergarten Cop. Oh, if you can believe that, mm. I can. I've not seen a lot of those mid nineties Arnie comedies. Obviously, I've seen twins. Jingle All the Way. I've never twins. seen Twins. I've never seen Junior. Neither I'm pregnant. I'm a pregnant woman. <laughs> I've never seen any of those. I've seen um, Last Action Hero, which is great. Uh, Jingle All the Way. Uh, I think should be number six in the IMB, IMDb top two fifty jingle all the way. I think, um, <laughs> and uh, all the classics Terminator, Predator, but I've never seen those era uh, Arnie movies. I think uh, definitely worth a watch at some point. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, those are my movies. What about you, Joe? I, I just the one movie. I've been rewatching a few documentaries, but um, one new documentary that I hadn't seen before uh, on Netflix was uh, LA ninety two, which is a documentary about the LA riots that followed the beating of Rodney King uh, by the mm. LAPD. Appro- um, appropriate to watch that. Well, you know, not a coincidence, baby. Um, Okay. Yeah, I've, I've kind of been aware of that documentary, but not really, um, not really kind of ventured into watching it. But finally, finally decided to give it a go, and it it starts, you know, kind of with the the incident where, where King was attacked by several police officers um, that was caught on videotape, which obviously at that point, nineteen ninety two, was was rare. Obviously now everyone's filming everything, so you get a, basically a live stream of 
<laughs> protest riots and violence uh, beamed directly into your eyeballs through Twitter, if you yeah. so wish. Um, but of course, at that point, it was incredibly rare to see that kind of incident, that kind of brutality captured on videotape. So it was shocking. Uh, and it kind of tells the tale of the uh, subsequent trial of the police officers involved uh, and their, their acquittal. Um uh, and then the circumstances that surround that, and it kind of it really sort of takes its time with that, which which was nice. It doesn't kind of rush through that to get to the slightly gorier bits. It it kind of plays that out, and it sets the scene of of what racial tensions were like in Los Angeles. Um, and it also contrasts it against an, some earlier incidents that were very similar. I think it was in the six, maybe early sixties or at some point in the sixties. Um, so it takes its time for that, and then it gets to the actual kind of the the verdict, and then all of the the violence and the riots that kicked off following that. Very graphic, and I mean, even compared to what we're seeing out there at the moment, it, it's it, far worse. I mean, it was incredibly violent, but just building after building, burning down, people being killed, pulled out of cars and beaten. Um, it's it's pretty pretty crazy, isn't it portrays it in a kind of starkest terms possible um and yeah it's overall a really kind of impactful difficult to watch movie but that really kind of encapsulates you know how something like that can happen you know how those kind of simmering tensions over time can be set off by one incident and lead to these these kind of disturbances these civil disturbances um, so highly, highly recommended if you, if you haven't checked that out, LA 92, it's on, on Netflix, it's been on there for quite a while, so assume it will be sticking around. Good, good documentary. Okie dokie. Alrighty. And we can jump in. Then Paul, you have some emails. Wow. I know, I do. Let me open it up quickly here. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, bum. Google's asked me to verify that it's me. Come on now. Don't be bullshitting me. Okay. So we have two emails this week. Uh, the first email is from. Uh, the first email is from. While it loads slowly. Uh, Yulyashka Loginova. Uh, subject, www.yandex.ru. Uh, oh. Message, www.yandex.ru. Sounds like a. Thank you very much for your email. She's like, what, what, what was the person's name? Logovich? <laughs> Yulyashka Loginova. Uh, thanks for email, Yulyashka. Second email is from Will. Uh, subject, Molman. Hi, Paul. Last time I gave you Kent Brockman to discuss. Now I'd like you all to say some great Hans Molman moments. I'll start with orange eating class. Cheers, Will. Um, I mean the the quintessential Molman is uh, out of my groin. 
<laughs> I think it's I think it's got to be number one on the list. I think that's I think that's a good one. I want to thank Will for reminding me of something because I have something to say to you, Paul. Actually, and it's on topic. It's on topic. Right? Okay. So my other than uh, the the groin, um, I think the the other one that comes to mind is I'm thirty four years old. <laughs> um, but when I watch the episode, that's in. I'm wondering, did I stumble across the answer to the question you had a few weeks ago, Paul, when you were when you were asking about a scene where someone jumps out of a window and it's not the PTA has disbanded, right? In, okay. in, in classic Simpsons, it's um, when in that episode Homer goes to Alcoholics Anonymous and Lovejoy goes, "We won't just uh, get you off it for a month. We'll make you never want to be here again." And Homer jumps out of the window screaming at that suggestion. Okay, possibly. Is, is that possibly? And for some reason, even though this was like three weeks ago, you mentioned this. I watched that episode like last week, and I was like, "Ah, that must be it." <laughs> well, if you can keep uh, a running tally of people jumping out windows, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, well, I think if it's not the PTA, those are the only two. If we're talking the peak years, so I think it has to be one. Well, of Well, no, two. because the original clip that I'm. Potentially having a deja vu Mandela effect moment about is the B Sharps episode where Wiggum jumps out the window. Oh yes, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the the control scene to which all other scenes should be <laughs> compared. Mm. Um. So yeah, keep keep your eyes open, Barry. Um. I'll try. I'll watch some episodes here and there as well, but. Um, I I don't I would need to see that AA scene in order to establish is that the one I'm thinking of? Uh, I don't yeah. know. Unfortunately, is the answer. Um, I remember Molman in one of his first appearances. There is a close up of his ID, and his name is listed as Ralph. Is it Ralph hmm. Melling or something? Me- Melish. Melish. Okay. Yeah. I wonder why that was changed. Presumably not to have two Ralphs on the show. Hans Moman is funnier. Come on, it is. I like also, although it's it's not a Moleman quote per se, but it involves him. I like when Homer uh, is encouraging people to kiss him on the head because it feels like yeah. a peanut. Yes, yeah. great. Uh, and also, can we keep him, Marge? And he comes out and goes, hey, Mom, Dad, <laughs> or whatever, when, he, they bring, when they bring him in to replace Barrett. He's dressed as him with a skateboard. I love you. Um, I like when he is driving a huge 18-wheeler. I don't remember what the context that is, but doesn't he drive off of the road and ex- explode or something? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would I would say probably my favorite would be the is it the bird feeder or is it in the telephone box? He says I need the biggest one you've got. No, that's too big. I mean that's become a classic uh, yes. shorthand for anything. That is yeah. that is very funny. I can't even remember it was a reference to the birds, but I can't remember what episode that was. Yes. In. Um, I don't know. 
but it, yeah, it is a bird. I, I like as well the um, you call that a knife? This is a knife, and then the knife is so heavy. <laughs> Down, Down I go. Down I go. <laughs> uh, oh, and of course, um, of course, I don't think it's in a Treehouse of Horror episode, but it's almost a Treehouse of Horror joke when um, when Burns is all hopped up and people are asking him for stuff. Oh, and yeah. Mr. Burns oh, yeah, yeah. drills his brain out. Or oh, no, my brain. Oh, my brain. <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you forget, like, the running joke with Hans Volman is not just that he's very old. It's that he always used to be, be felled by some kind of horrific accident. Because um, <laughs> uh, he's also in, is, the, is that... in the birds. He's like the, 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 the fucking, no, that's too big. But is it canon then that he works at the nuclear power plant? I don't know because he works. Seems to work everywhere. <laughs> I'm looking up a list now. Best Hans Molman moments. Presumably there has to be a list here. Yes, 19 moments. Thank you, Buzzfeed.com. Uh, I'll give you the countdown of of moments. Although it's not done in a countdown list, but I, I'm going to go anyway from 21 to one here. Uh, 21. Uh, well, the ar- the article is called 21 Hilarious Molman Moments. It appears to only go to number 19. Is there uh, a second not page? Not sure about that. Also, a lo- no. Um, number one is I need the biggest seed bell you have. No, that's too big. Oh, of course. Come on, lads. We've We've missed an absolute gem here. We've missed. I was saying boo urns. Oh well. yeah, that's that's almost too ubiquitous. That's too obvious. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is a real uh, deal. Three podcast. Is... We're on our we're on our fortieth minute discussing it. <laughs> uh, number three is well, you're certainly doing your job today, Mister Sun, and then the sun goes through his. The eye, his glasses, lenses, and sets his shirt on fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> number four is, oh no, my brains. Five, oh my groin. Six, when he gets locked in the freezer at the Quickie Mart. Oh, mm. Of course. Uh, seven, on a date with Selma. Uh, yeah. Uh, eight is from a, a new episode I've never seen, so I don't care about that. Ah, this list is too long, and also the images aren't loading. Um, I'm going to say my favorite of all those moments is. Ooh, I'll have to go. I'll have to go uh, out my groin because it's also from my favorite episode of The Simpsons. So, but then so is I was saying Burns. So Molman has quite a showing in that episode. He really does. Yeah. He's great in general. Absolutely. And there are my emails. Thank you very much, uh, Natavla and uh, Will. <laughs> and uh, with with those uh, correspondence from our two uh, top fans, we will segue <laughs> into the wrestling guff. Uh, Double or Nothing was two weeks ago, lads. Did we all watch it in some capacity? Did we not talk about Double yeah. or Nothing on this already? Yeah, we reviewed it. Last oh, time good. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> it was good, still. Uh, well, it's what what well, else has been going on in the wrestling world since? According then? to Meltzer, the uh, the main event was five or six stars. Universal oh America. God, I saw that. Yeah, he was like, whenever people ask me about it, it was like, who are you chatting to on the streets about the the stadium stuff? Fuck off. <laughs> did he did he, did he give it five stars? I didn't even see any hubbub about that. No, I don't know. Who cares? Who fucking cares? Um, we had uh, uh, fuck the free the revolt revival showing up on Dynamite two weeks ago. Yeah, um, they, they, I I I like that segment. Their uh, their spike pile driver looked like shite though. Yeah, yeah. They are. Although shite. I like that. As- I like that as a finisher more than the shower machine. I think it suits their rough southern old school wrestling gimmick. Yeah, the shower machine isn't really isn't really fitting. Um, no, but uh, yeah, they showed up. They had a decent interview. I thought this week. I I I just don't want um, I don't want their gimmick to be. I don't like Pentagon because he doesn't hold the tag rope. I have no interest in that being their character that they that they don't like that the other teams don't obey the rules. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean they said that in their interview. That's what I mean. That's yeah. Um, the, the interview was yeah, good, but yeah. I I don't want them harping on that all the time. Um, also, Dash Wilder's hair is absolutely horrendous. It looks like it looks like somebody's holding a hair dryer. To the side of his head, mm-hmm. and it just stuck that way. Um, also, here's my new uh, thing that can never be unseen, right? Butcher and the Blade, okay? The Butcher specifically mm. looks like Danny Baker with a mustache. Hmm. Mm. Danny Baker. Oh, hmm. yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, I'll allow that one. (laughs) Every time I see him now, I think that's who he looks like, and I I can't unsee it. Um. Yeah, so I, I I like their finish being the the, the pod driver, but then they did the shatter machine anyway, and I was like, oh, there's there's that old heap of shite being wheeled out. Again. Um, it's just it's because the shatter machine looks like something you'd see for a decent near fall halfway through an indie tag match. You know, like it's not it doesn't look it doesn't have finisher energy. It's it's like a move Pentagon would do, Pentagon and Phoenix. Yeah, you know? that's like, that's a great call, or or the Kings of the North. It's, yeah, um, I didn't really enjoy the Cody um, Jungle Boy match at all. What? Ooh, I'm, I'm surprised by that. I thought that was very good. I thought it was good. Let me tell you why. Right, they they went from like a hundred to zero at the end. So Cody gets thrown into the the boards at the side of the stage bleeding like a stuffed pig by God. Well it was it was it was worse than that. That was the one thing I did not like about the match. He headbutted the wall to geek himself. How stupid a spot was that. Right. Then 
sh- shades of Adam Cole from back in the day, right? The- Cody takes a huge bump himself and Jungle Boy take a huge bump off the top rope through a table on the outside, and thirty seconds later, Cody is hitting his finish for the win. What was the fucking point of the table spot? It went like they didn't sell it hardly at all, and then just went straight to the finish. What was the point of doing it then? It felt like it was building to, it was building to like a, a five minute home stretch, and then it just ended. I was like, well, that was completely meaningless. What was the point of the blood, and what was the point of the big table spot to just then immediately end the match? Yeah, it's a good point. It was still a good match. Though. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I like the match, but I, I get it. Um, the uh, what else happened in the last few weeks of Dynamite? I think that was. I think that was it for the newsworthiness. Uh, the, what did you guys think of the Jericho Tyson um, brawl? I I, <laughs> I understand. I understand the rationale of involving him. I just thought it looked so tragic in execution. Yeah, there was a lack of kind of seriousness about it. And when they when they do these kind of slightly self-referential thing, you know, it, it's harking back to Tyson Austin. It just feels uh, like they're doing a parody. It feels like FDR's entire career. That's what it feels like. It's just an <laughs> it's just an imitation of something else. Which we, yeah, okay, we all get, and it's kind of fun once, but then mm. you know we don't want to keep seeing the same thing over and over again. It's all right. The if problem you, is that- you've seen Botchamania or something is funny, but. <laughs> on an actual TV show, no. The problem is that Tyson Austin was is so quintessential and so ubiquitous with like crossover wrestling that mm. any any other take on it, even if done you know slightly differently to differentiate, is going to come off as a pale imitation. And that's what this felt like. Uh, I, I didn't. Why was Tyson like double bicep posing in front of him? And oh, God. Yeah, it was all very silly. Was the problem? Like it didn't come off serious. Um, and then they kind of didn't really follow up on it the next week. They went straight into Jericho Orange Cassidy. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, I didn't. <laughs> for someone who really likes Dynamite, I have a lot of nitpicks about it. I didn't really yeah. like Moxley's promo at all on Dynamite either. Where he came out to confront Taz and Cage. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was not one of his stronger ones. And I think I think Taz has been good. But yeah, Moxley's didn't didn't blow me away this week. He just he, I think he needs to God, why am I the one giving advice to the fucking millionaire megastar here? But like he needs to have some lines thought up in advance. <laughs> Cause he just comes off like he doesn't know where he's going with it. You know? Mm. He's a... Uh, He's a season three lost writer. They're just making it up as he goes along, you know? And so it doesn't kind of build. Not, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily in favor of overly scripted promos, obviously from WWE, but you you want that the promo has some kind of build to a crescendo. Like he, his promos all, not all, because sometimes, they, sometimes they're better, but they often have kind of a, a rambling feel to them. <laughs> And this one was very rambly, and I, I, I couldn't quite get into it. Like Taz, his promo was excellent. I thought, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Taz is Taz. Is and I, I, I'm with you. I think, I think, I think part of the problem is, um, 
there is not a lot of meat in these Moxley feuds because it feels like they're just building people up t t for him to beat, which is fine. But the the up the flip side of that is that he he can just say, okay, well I'll go out there and I'll just do whatever, and that's not necessarily you know I think he needs something with a little bit more substance to it, um, uh, to to steer him in the right direction. Um, I mean, the, yeah. the irony is that I think since Moxie won the belt, I think the tag titles and the TNT title have felt more important than the world title in how they've been presented. In what sense? Stern silence. Uh, I don't know, like the, the, the world title feuds, the last couple... Well, maybe not last couple, you know, since Moxie won it, have all kind of felt like afterthoughts while more important stuff was going on. Like yeah, uh, Moxley, yeah. Brody, and before that, okay, it wasn't a pay-per-view, but Moxley Hager, you know, when Jericho was the champion, he, him and being the champion was always kind of the, the main focus of the show. Yeah. And Moxley doesn't feel like the the... The Steve Austin, you know, the guy you tune in to watch and the segment that you remember the most when it ends. No, his his parts aren't the highlight of the show, which is kind of so the championship feels a little bit less important as a result. I mean, it's it's of course they're just getting the TNT title off the ground, so that they're putting a bit of focus on that. Yeah, but no, I think it's, I think it's a fair point. It still feels like Jericho's the highlight most weeks, you know. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe it's just, you know, they haven't given Moxley a a top-level feud yet as champion. He definitely feels a bit like Daniel Bryan feuding with Kane after winning at WrestleMania, you know? So we'll see yeah. when he gets in, you know, when they have a number one contender who's a bit more of an established star along the lines of a, a Jericho again or Omega. Although they've done Moxley Omega, they've done Moxley Jericho, so... I don't know necessarily where they go from here, but um, what else on the shows were good? Um, I don't remember. They, 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 <laughs> I don't they, remember. Built, they built up the Havoc Saban team, and they had a title match, and they lost. It was fine. Uh, yes, Britt Brit Baker's good. Oh, oh, yes. the her vignette this week was great. Yeah, it was she's great. great. Um, I've been watching a lot of the um, AEW podcasts on YouTube as well. She did a really mm. interesting interview okay. on there with with Shivani and um, Aubrey Edwards. Mm. So um, yeah, yeah, I definitely definitely recommend checking those out. Good, also, good one with Taz as well. Yes, I listen. I listened to that on my podcast application of choice, and mm. it's a good. Uh, a good little podcast they do. His interesting was his Kataz's story about the Royal Rumble 2000, his debut, uh, which was yeah. really interesting. Because I remember that has been like one of the all-time great debuts. You know, he comes in and beats Kurt Angle, ends the winning streak. Um, but yeah, his story on that is, is really intriguing. He's an intriguing guy, Taz. He is. Uh, yeah. Someone who... Fucking... <laughs> Someone who who became a complete joke, and somehow still kind of clung on to their legitimacy. You know, you can take them serious when you need to take them serious, but you can also be, you know, a complete uh, fool when the time calls for it. Um, speaking of complete fools, 
Sean Spears got a new glove. Oh my god, what is oh, what is up with that? Fucking hell, the wanking claw. <laughs> <laughs> and like after they got a little bit of buzz for that for that that interview with Tully, and they, they immediately pissed it away with that. <laughs> At least they could have had it be a, a big steel gauntlet type thing, like in Lucha Underground. <laughs> uh, with with the power of a god in it. It's like a little black nylon glove. All right. Is he a good wrestler now? I don't understand. (laughs) And he had it in a little, like, one of those little travel cases Mm. with a steel. uh, Like, what was that? Uh, Could have just had it in a little. Present him with a gun, it looked like. (laughs) I didn't know what it was. It's going to be a little. Brass nooks or something, something that you know. I don't. I, I I assume they're going to be pushing him as a kind of a more old school FTR style heel. Yeah. Um. But that that came off excruciatingly lame. Do they have to keep pushing him? Is the question though? Like, God Almighty, he's Cody's mate. Yeah. He's rubbish though. He's properly rubbish. And he'll never be good. <laughs> so. <sighs> he can be just on dark every week. How about that? We'll compromise. Yeah. That's fair. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of it for the dynamite talking points. Uh, they announced Spider Fest. There was some speculation that might be a, a HBO Max thing. Uh, they're actually doing it on just, just doing it on TV, two week event, uh, kind of in the style of like you know yeah. Impact's done that in the past and stuff like that. So that's fine. Um, the Cage versus Moxley, best friends versus um, uh, Page and Omega, um, and other stuff to be announced. Possibly Jericho Tyson. Who knows? Um, yeah. So uh, other than that, I did watch some a rare instance of watching some WWE. Um, uh, I watched the fight pit between Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle, uh, which I have to say was quite excellent. Um, I, it was worked completely different to your usual WWE match. It was as as, as as unexpected as this was. They really they really went into Timothy Thatcher's wheelhouse for this match, which which uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised by. And um, it was cool. It was something different. It was a cage, but it was, it was as weird as it was. It was kind of like a lion's den thing. It was like, we're going to have a, a quasi-realistic uh, uh, grappling contest. I mean, Matt Riddle did a dive off the top of the cage, so it wasn't that realistic. But um, uh, they went in that direction. It was very good. And and Thatcher won clean to send Riddle packing off to the main roster. Um, so, yeah, that was solid. If, if they do another one, I will definitely watch it. I watched a Tim Thatcher match as well, but not the Riddle one. Uh, oh, I watched his his OTT match with Minoru Suzuki again, which uh, oh, was nice. part of their their stadium compilation they live streamed recently. That match, which is apparently the only time that that singles match ever took place. Yeah, uh, that match is real, real good, <laughs> and I was there live to see it as well. So that's the second time seeing it. First time uh, 
with commentary and different camera angles. But still very good. Yeah. That's a, it's a great match. And yeah, as I said, that's a one-time only. That's a legitimate dream match that we got, which is very cool. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's about it for the rest of the I also watched w- one oh. more thing. I watched a YouTube compilation of uh, people in WWF doing pile drivers just, you know, because FTR showed up and did a spike pile driver, a bad one. I went back and looked at a history of people doing pile drivers. Uh, the majority of people don't do a good pile driver, so it's probably a good thing that that was uh, banned. Uh, one person who I remember from my youth who used to do the pile driver a lot and was kind of really the only person that I remember doing aside from Mick Foley who did a, a different variation but like a standard pile driver was Billy Gunn hmm. he did the shittest pile driver he would always pick him up and land on like one hip oh it looked like shite um I need to catch up on Botchamania. I'm a couple behind on Botchamania. I haven't watched um, in quite a while, to be fair. Yeah, I need to get I need to get back on that. That's all. That's all the wrestling this time. That's uh, all the wrestling. In your for... house is today, I think, isn't it? Who can NXT? Be a single I, don't, I, don't, I don't watch NXT anymore, but I think it's that's today. Uh, that card looks dreadful. I look it's it's the most it is like the worst I think a takeover card has ever looked. What's on it? Tommaso Ciampa versus Killer Cross. Um, okay. Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream. Diddler. Um, um, Finn Charlotte. Barrett versus Damien Priest. Oh, yeah. Oh. Priest Damien. Okay. Uh, Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai. Um, that I mean that might be good, but gotta have Charlotte on every conceivable show ever produced by man. Um, <laughs> and I believe there's a woman's six man tag, which actually looks all right. But, um, yeah, won't be won't be bothering, baby, not at all. No. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back next week though with uh, more dynamite uh, talk um, uh, and various other bits and pieces, life golf, all the other jazz. Um, yeah, that's it. More following up on the various games we've been playing. So if I want to try and get Gears Tactics wrapped up, because two weeks' time is Last of Us Two, baby. Got to get everything finished before, oh. before, that, before that rolls around. So I got to get got to dust off the that. old. Uh, I have to go into GameStop when they reopen next week and cancel that pre-order because I ordered it digitally during the quarantine because I didn't know if they were going to be open or not. Um, so sorry, boys. Um, but yeah, so uh, we'll be back next week talking all the other usual funny games. Uh, chairshoppodcast.com if you want to listen to the archive or email us. And uh, at chairshoppod on Twitter, you can also chat with us that way. So until then, it's going to be goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's going to be goodbye from Joe Towner. Goodbye. And it's going to be goodbye from Mr. Paul Griffin. Goodbye. <laughs>